Today is a very sad day in the world of talk radio and politics, of which we consider ourselves to be a part of. Rush Limbaugh, the creator of talk radio in the realm of politics, has passed away at the age of 70 after a long battle with lung cancer. Rush was a trailblazer of the talk radio world and in political talk. If it was not for he himself, people such as us would not be able to do what we do. And for that, we are and always will be eternally grateful. He gave people like us a voice when we otherwise would not have had one. No one was a bigger promoter of truth and conservatism. You know, I grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh, and I remember as a kid, my grandfather turned me on to his show. And I was the only kid in my neighborhood with a, uh, with a radio on my bicycle in the summer months, just so I could listen to his show. Never in a million years could I have imagined at the time that someday myself and others would be given the unique opportunity to speak to people around the world such as him. But it is because of his ideas, his platforms that he created and pushed that made that possible for us to speak as we do today, to carry on his legacy, to bring truth to power, logic in an illogical world, and sanity to madness. Today's podcast will be based on Russia's talking points, his most famous comments on society, culture, and ideals. We will take our conversation based on his cues rather than ours. We can think of no better way to honor his legacy in our own way. With a platform, he made possible for people like us to speak and have the dialogue with one another. Rush would always say that he was talent on loan from God. Well, today, God has asked for a repayment of that loan. Today, we bid farewell to the icon of talk. You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard-hitting and action-packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Today is a very sad day for the talk radio world. Rush Limbaugh has passed away, 70 years old. You know, I, uh, I remember growing up listening to him, and um, I remember we talked a little bit about him during the time when we found out about his cancer diagnosis. And, you know, part of me was kind of, I, I guess I just, um, I knew he was stage four, and I knew he was terminal, but, but part of me was kind of somehow wishing that it was going to be some kind of a miracle and go into remission and all that stuff. And I mean, it happens, right? It happens, though it's rare. It, it does happen. They call it usually when that happens, a one in a million shot. Unfortunately, uh, his time was up and he didn't get that shot. But, you know, if it wasn't for guys like him now, I, I don't care about your politics, right? I, I don't care about that. I, I don't care whether you agree with the guy or not. I agree. I disagreed with the guy more than I agreed with him on a lot of things. It wasn't for the fact that what Rush said, it was the stuff that he didn't say. That's what bothered me about him. But nonetheless, he was he was amazing at what he did. And he was a trailblazer in that industry. And it's because of what he did. And it's because of, uh, of everything that he accomplished that has allowed guys like us to sit here and do exactly what we're doing right now. So whether you like the guy, whether you didn't like the guy, if you're listening to us or if you're listening to podcasts, you're listening to podcasts because of what Rush Limbaugh has done for the business. So it doesn't matter what your politics are when it comes to this. But the world has lost a good man today. Donald Trump has released a statement 
on Rush Limbaugh. But before we get to that, Bruce, you want to say anything on it? Yeah, I, I, same as you. I remember growing up listening to him. Grandparents listened to him all the time. You know, it, it was a kind of a uh, every time we were in the car, they would listen to him. Uh, like they would do a rerun in this area. I don't know if it was across the board, but they would do a rerun at night, uh, listen to it as they would sleep. And I remember, you know, just to have that background noise. So, but it, you're exactly right. That because of Rush and uh, the basically trailblazing it for talk radio in general, not just conservative talk radio, but talk radio period. And that it has evolved into podcasting and, you know, what we know today. And it opened the doors for other other mediums as well. So, yeah, it, it, this format that we do is that, that's basically where it started was Rush. So. And, you know, there's been others, you know, you, you look at people in, in different realms like Paul Harvey, right? He was he was mm -hmm. one before Rush. Uh, and then, of course, if you get into um, if you get into the TV world, then you had guys like Johnny Carson. Right. And then, of course, Jay Leno came after him, things like that. I mean, these were trailblazers. The, these were trailblazers. And when you lose something like that, I mean, society, you know, it, it takes a hit. Now, I'm not going to sit here and talk about all these idiots that are crowing on social media talking about how great all this is. You know, those people are sick degenerates. There's nothing you can do for that. But I just know that because of what he did, it's going to allow others to come along and to, to live on in that legacy that he created. If we fight to keep it. Yeah, that's just it. And yeah, that, that's the other part of it right there is this, if you fight to keep it. I mean, we know that all this is coming, right? The, the censorship, podcasting censorship, we, we know that's mm -hmm. coming. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's going to be a fight. Um, and we're in the process right now of building parallels. We're building alternatives uh, to try and insulate ourselves somehow and to continue to keep the information flowing. As Mike said, when we had him on last week, we got to keep the conversation going. You got to keep the conversation going. And there's no other person that I can think of. I mean, yes, you have people that are in talk radio now and they're, they're great people that, you know, the mainliners, the, the Glenn Becks, the Michael Savages. Well, Michael Savage actually had to bow out. He's doing podcasting now. You got Ben Shapiro in there. I think Bongino does one. Dan Bongino does one. Th these people, Doug Hagman and, and all the rest of them. Steve Bannon. These are people with big followings. And I credit what they do now, but they're in the same predicament. They're there. They are where they are because of what Limbaugh did uh, and creating that that platform. I mean, he, he really did do that. He created the you know, it, how do I put it? He he made he made talk radio more than what it was. See, when I was a kid, you didn't have talk radio about politics. Not not all of it. You had some. But I remember, as you were talking about late at night on the AM dials, you would hear talk radio and it would just be talk. I mean, it was actually called TalkNet. It was literally that. It was just talk. It was whatever you wanted to talk about, whether you had people calling in or whether you had two guys sitting around just discussing random topics like we do on our exclusives, whether it's that or, or whatever. But Limbaugh came along and he made it about politics and he paved the way for conservative talk. And it opened the door to have the dialogue, to have the political debate in society. And so he, he brought a lot of issues to the forefront and a lot. He shined the light on a lot of things and he changed a lot of people's perspective on a lot of things. And I think he was a he was an invaluable person uh, in that movement for conservatism in America. And, um, you know, I, I, I got some of his podcasts. I mean, they're, they're going to pull him down uh, at some point. I mean, they'll, they'll get to that point where uh, they will just, you know, expire and, and go away. But, um, yeah, oh, I'm going to miss the left is going to go out. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to miss the guy. I, I really am. I was actually, I was just telling somebody yesterday. So, because I was talking to somebody yesterday on the phone about Rush Limbaugh, and I said they were telling me that they listen to him when they're doing, you know, housework or whatever it is, you know, working on their house, that kind of stuff. And I said, enjoy it. I said, enjoy it because he's probably not going to be around much longer because of, you know, his, he was terminal, you know, terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, little did I realize that I said that yesterday and I wake up today and he's gone. So confirmed Johnny killed him. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, it's a, it's a, it's a sad day, man. I mean, I'm, that's, that's really sad news. I, I was, um, I was actually kind of, you know, excited about some of the stuff we were going to talk about today. And then that happened. So, I mean, it kind of took the wind out of me. Um, but another one that died here yesterday, that's not as well known, I guess, as Rush. Rush is kind of, but he's a Christian contemporary artist that was uh, kind of a trailblazer for that medium, uh, Carmen. He passed away yesterday uh, from internal bleeding. I remember listening to him growing up. So that, that, you know, kind of been watching him as an artist for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump has released a statement on Rush Limbaugh. Wait, wait. Donald Trump made a statement, but not Biden? Yeah. The actual sitting president. Yeah. So-called. Uh, and then I want to go through some stuff. 20 of the, the top Rush quotes. Uh, and I want to go over some of those because I can think of no better way to celebrate talking about him right now than to pick out the top 20 uh, that he that he said uh, and discuss each one of those. Because I, I thought... <laughs> he said some great stuff over the years, whether you liked him or not. Mm-hmm. He said some great mm-hmm. stuff. Anyway, uh, Trump, uh, Trump's statement said the great Rush Limbaugh has passed away to a better place, free from physical pain and hostility. His honor, courage, strength and loyalty will never be replaced. Rush was a patriot, a defender of liberty and someone who believed in all of the greatness our country stands for. Rush was a friend to myself and millions of Americans, a guiding light with the ability to see the truth and paint vivid pictures over the airwaves. Melania and I express our deepest condolences to his wonderful wife, Catherine, his family, and all of his dedicated fans. He will be missed greatly. So as I said, you know, one of the greatest, you can't even really say political figures. I mean, he was a political figure, but he was more than that. He was more than than just a political figure. He was a, like he was a radio guy. He, he was a radio mm-hmm. figure. He was an icon of of the culture that we had for more than a half century. But in a way, you could say take the sole credit for making a lot of people turn to conservatism as opposed to turning away from it. Yeah. I mean, he was he was good. He was good. Let's get into his top 20 greatest quotes. Number 20. <laughs> he loved to bash on liberals. Didn't he? <laughs> he, loved, he loved to bash on them. number 20. The liberals, you see, do not want to confront conservative ideas. They just attack conservatives as a group and particularly their motives. If you believe what they say about us, you would think that if someone like Bill Bennett or Jack Kemp or myself driving through South Central Los Angeles and looking at the slums and poverty, we would go, oh, man, this is great. They've got nothing. So that means we get more. It's simply preposterous. We all want to live in a great country. And for the country to fulfill its potential, you need individuals to be the best they can be, not the government taking care of people. Bruce, he sounds like you. He sounds like you. Yeah. Yeah. Or vice versa in this case. Yeah. But I mean, they've always made it like that. Uh, You know, oh, you evil capitalist, you're driving through town and you're seeing all the poor people and you're saying, oh, it's it's wonderful. All these people out here on the streets. Who in their right mind would say that? You can if that's legitimately what they think about conservatives. You can understand why they take the stances they take if that's what they think about conservatives. If you're not willing to go and talk to a conservative as a liberal and really find out where you guys have common ground and understand that, yeah, we see the same problems. The difference is, 
is how we want to address the problems. In fact, some things that we see as problems, you don't even see as problems as the left. So, you know, I don't, I don't. you know, I've, I've heard people that's like they they look at someone in the conservative movement and they think someone on the on the left, for example, they'll, they'll look at someone in the conservative movement and they will think that they are literally the Antichrist. And I'm, I'm serious. It's like this is what they have in their head, because if you sit around mm-hmm. and you listen to CNN and, and ABC and MSNBC and and uh, listen to NPR all the time, you will think that you will think that. But when you actually sit down with the person and you get to know them. And I mean, get to know them. Don't talk about politics. Talk about something else other than politics. And you know what? You'll actually find out, hey, uh, this is not this big evil person that you were made to believe. You can't do that, though. That'll humanize the people when you talk to them like that and you try to get a connection like that. It humanizes them. You can't do that. Which is exactly what he said in the opening part of that statement. He says they do not want to confront the conservative ideas. Do you know why they don't want to confront them? Because they might find out that they they would actually like them. Just my own personal opinion. They, they Not only they might like them, but one of the other arguments I've heard is what conservatives and liberals, like what they hold dear, if you will, what, what they... For example, conservatives typically care about like loyalty, um, traditions... Law and order. Hang on a minute. You're talking about liberals. No, liberals Classic. don't actually care about those things. Classic, Classic liberals. Yes. Liberals. Yes. Classic liberals care about those things. But that that word that that term has been uh, usurped by the yeah. left. Yeah, it got hijacked in the fifties. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas liberals, they that's not as important to them. Those things. So you 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 kind of have a, a conflicting, not really conflicting, but a difference in in moral depth, if you will, uh, for a lack of words. So that that's kind of where we run into, you know, we, we butt heads a little bit. The, the left is like, oh, yeah, let's legalize drugs, Oregon, you know, looking, looking at you or decriminalize where us on the right are like, whoa, whoa, we don't have the moral compass as a society to, to legalize all drugs yet. If we got to the point to where people were more disciplined and we had a better societal structure uh, to where we won't have a ton of people just get on drugs and um, stay on them. You know, if we had a better, then yeah, okay, we can legalize it at that point, but we're not there yet. We we need to work on other things first. And that that's kind of where, as a contrast, anyway. No, you're right on target with it. Number 19, for the government to give, it must first take away. <laughs> I think that kind of goes without True. saying, right? I mean, you know. They get all their power from us. Yeah. Number 18, the people that make this country work, the people who pay their mortgages, the people getting up and going to work, striving in this recession to not participate in it, they're not the enemy. They're the people that hire you. They're the people that are going to give you a job. You know, it kind of I mean, kind of makes me feel like all of this stuff that's going on with uh, this January 6th garbage that they're pushing up on the hill. Mm-hmm. It's like we're, we're not like the people that were there, the ones that didn't go in. Those of us that are uh, conservative, you know, Brennan was up on TV. I think John Brennan, he was the former dire- director of the CIA. He was up on TV saying that uh, all conservatives and Trump supporters and, and libertarians even are domestic terrorists. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're not your enemy. Hello. It's about the Patriot Act, because if they label us as terrorists, then they can go in and they tap your phones. They can go in and confiscate you know, your property, uh, finances, oh, yeah. all that stuff. They, they oh, have yeah. a lot of access. Oh, yeah. Eric Swalwell, you know, the fang, fang, bang, bang guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 He said publicly that we need domestic terrorist white supremacist squads. So wait, you, you want 
terrorists and white supremacists in the squads? Or no, 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 no. Like you, you need them to hunt those people down. Okay, just just yeah. for clarification. Like you need white okay. supremacist task forces. So you need you need some brown shirts. Basically, is what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The uh, yeah the the anti-fascist is yeah. saying that he yeah. needs some, I, some brown shirts. Yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, I thought they already had that with the anti-fascists. But uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, number seventeen. Now, what's the left's worldview in general? What is it? If you had to attach not a philosophy, but an attitude to a leftist worldview, it's one of pessimism and darkness and sadness. They're never happy, are they? They're always angry about something. No matter what they get, they always get angry. That's right. That's right. Can you help me with this? There's a theological discussion maybe to be had here. Okay. This is where we kind of get the left and right kind of stuff. So the right would essentially, in this case, I mean, we're talking theologically, we're talking about the righteous. Okay. The left, correct me if I'm wrong, comes from the uh, comes from the uh, the standpoint of the left hand path, meaning the path of Satan. Or am I incorrect? Um. Well, it depends on. I guess it depends on your uh, analogies, because you, you you also have the. Uh, when, when you start talking about hands and all that kind of stuff, depending on what, uh-huh. typically, uh, well, if you're I've, talking I've about hands, this. you would go to the Old Testament. Yeah. If you go to the Old Testament, you talk about the hands. The right hand is typically the hand of blessing, prosperity, good. And the, the hand, the left hand is typically associated with uh, punishment and, um, well, judgment, essentially. So that's not the favorable hand, in other words. So, yeah. Kind of. Bears relevance, doesn't it? Just a little bit. It does. It does. It does. Very. It does a little bit there. Um, the other thing is, is I would, I would also broaden it a bit as well and say the right typically are as conservatives. They're typically a religious people that have faith in a greater power and believe that. Typically, here in America, most Christians believe that you know there's hope. Whereas if you're on the left, there is no God. The only thing in the, in life is to procreate and have fun, right? Because there is no God. So there's no afterlife. There's none of that, right? So Okay. Well, there it is jollies, right there. You know, there it is. Drink and be merry. Yeah, that's it. Pessimism, darkness, and sadness. Great You're example. Not fulfilled. Great example. Look at the, the election. Trump was saying, we got this. We're going to come back. We're going to be great. This is going to be great. We're going to we're going to give you back to better than ever. You know, it's going to be the best economy you've ever seen. You know, that, that you know how Trump is, right? He was. And they're more pissed off was, now than when they were when he was in. Yeah. And they were he was very positive in saying, we'll, we'll get through this. We'll get through the, the pandemic, all that. Uh, whereas Biden was saying this is the worst winter we've ever. This, this is a horrible season. This is going to be bad. It's going to be, you know, get worse and all this. He was basically saying it's a dark winter. Right. And he's said that multiple times now. So you, one's talking dark, about hope and the other one's talking about the darkness. The dark, dark winter. winter thing, by the way, all of the European leaders are saying exactly the same thing. All of them. Yeah. 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 It's kind of an interesting. I don't know if they're uh-huh. taking their cues because, you know, it's the American leader that's saying it or if they're taking it from. They were saying it before. Someone like, were they? Okay. Yeah. So. Meaning uh-huh. they're taking their cues from. Somewhere else. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh. Like a World Economic Forum, for example. Or, and well, they, then they take their cues from somewhere else, mainly a, oh, maybe, maybe a financial institution of some kind. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't know. Yeah. There's but anyway, out there. yes, uh, they're never happy. Yeah, they're always miserable. And you know what? Misery loves company, right? You ever hear that saying, misery loves company? If somebody's miserable, they are going to do everything within their power to drag themselves and everyone else around them down with them. They're always angry about something. No matter what, they always get angry. That's true. That's true. You can give these people the, uh, like, you can give them every handout there is to give. 
You can give them everything. You can double, triple, quadruple the handouts we've got now, and they're still going to be pissed off. It's not going to matter. Well, why didn't you give more? Why didn't you give enough? You didn't give enough. Why, why didn't you give more? It's always more, 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 more. No pleasing them. So you just don't give them anything. Well, you can't do that. That's, that's horrible. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. I'll tell you what's horrible. I'll tell you what's horrible. Four and a half million people are in the cold and in the dark in the largest, most prosperous U.S. state that we have because of this green energy garbage. That's yeah. OK, yeah. Don't give me any of that not, not caring stuff. I'll give you a little bit extra on that one. Texas, if it were its own country, is the 10th greatest GDP in the world. You can't even keep the lights on. We're buying power from the Mexicans, for God's yep. sake. The, yep, because they have to go green. The oil, the oil capital of the country, next to probably Alaska, is buying energy from the Mexicans. You couldn't make it up. Yeah. You couldn't that, make it up. That's absolutely ridiculous. It that is not, ridiculous. This is over 12%. That's it. Their, their solar and wind energy is only 12%. And the majority of the time, they don't have... It's like... When you average it out, it's something like they have five days a week, maybe they'll have wind and solar. You're not guaranteed to have solar. Actually, I think it was a combination of wind and solar together. Uh, you only have five days out of a seven day week that that you have enough energy coming in. Uh, by the way, uh, just on a side note, uh, uh, if you get snow and ice mm. and clouds on top of uh, solar panels, guess what? They don't work, okay? Yeah. And, and you ask, yeah. well, how do you know that? How do you know that? I have them. I have them on my roof. <laughs> they don't work if you have snow and ice on them when it's cloudy. You know something else that, that we have a problem with here in, in this part of the um, country? Uh, we have something called hail, right? Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with hail, this is when the sky pukes up large chunks of ice at you, right? And do you know what? large solar panels, you know, that are somewhat fragile. You know what happens to those when hail impacts them? Yeah, it breaks them. Uh, also, wind turbines in cold. Um, do you know what happens to wind turbines in cold? They, they freeze up. They stop working. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Number 16. I'm a huge supporter of women. What I'm not a supporter of is liberalism. Feminism is what I oppose. Feminism has led women astray. I love the women's movement, especially when I'm walking behind it. Actually, R Rush coined the term feminazis, didn't he? Like that's he probably. I, yeah, I, I don't know did. who did. Yeah. Like you got and out of limbo, you got feminazi and you got chai comms, right? That's like if whenever we say chai comms, that's <laughs> that was limbo. But the uh, the feminist movement. The modern feminist movement. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for this uh, women's rights and, and equality and all that stuff. Equal pay, equal work. Oh, believe me. Believe me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what I'm not for is exactly this kind of nonsense right here. This militant uh, men are evil. Listen here. If you don't have a joining of both sexes, then you don't have a repropagation of the species. And we all go extinct. So well, you could you could have test tube babies. But well, yeah. But I mean. You still need a male and female, though. I understand. But if like the whole point is a partnership. Yeah. Yeah. C coming together, building strong family units. Yeah. There, there's, that, that's there's the point. A, it's the war on the family. Yeah. Men, men and women have their own strength, strengths and weaknesses. And when you combine them together, um, that makes, uh, well, for lack of phrasing, mm -hmm. a whole, you know, a, mm -hmm. a, you know, completion, if you will. And it's been historically proven when you 
like when you drive wedges between women and men in societies and you get the women that are, that then become isolated, if you can isolate them from the opposite sex, then you can actually hit them with other areas of propaganda. You can militarize them and then they become alone. They're not fulfilled and they don't know why. So they're looking for a dominant male. See, that's how the, that's how it works. They're, they're looking for the dominant role in their life and they don't have it. That's why they try and take it on themselves. It's a false sense of dominance when they try and do it themselves because it doesn't work. So in turn, what happens? They look to the state to be the man. So that's what it becomes. That's what it becomes. And and it becomes the whole thing of um, kind of like what the Nazis did. First, you get the children and then you get women. So we'll follow the men, blah, blah, blah. So we already know what they're doing to the schools, right? We already know that. Feminist movement. And then, of course, you know, the rest will follow. That's that's their hope anyway. But I mean, believe me, uh, I'm all for women's rights. I mean, you take a woman out to a gun range. That's woman's rights. That's a woman being empowered right there. But this other stuff right here, this uh, going out there and um, and leaving your trash all over the place while you're wearing a pink hat. That's not feminism. That, that's not feminism. That's not women being empowered. That's women being used as tools of the propaganda machine by the state. You're being played. You're being conned. That's what it is. Exploitation. Yeah. Yeah. Number 15. Liberals always exempt themselves from rules that they impose on others. Gee, no better example mm. of that than COVID, right? Yeah. 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 We've seen that one firsthand all of last year. COVID, riots. Did anybody remember the riots that happened all mm. the, the summer of love? Yeah. Uh, isn't it interesting that they did that all summer? The minute the conservatives did something that is a fraction of what they did a small uh, fraction of what they did. They immediately say, insurrection, terrorists, we have to go after them all. Mm -hmm. We need task forces yes. to, to go after yeah. these, these extremists. Uh -huh. But if you're one of these people that makes one of those decisions that you can live however you want and, and everyone else has to not live the way they want, then if you just come out and you say, I made a bad mistake, then all is forgiven. All is forgiven. You, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just like Bill de Blasio said, right? The mayor of New York, just like Bill de Blasio said, well, he's in government. He cares about his health. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, she says she cares about her hygiene. She has to appear in public. Hypocrites. Yeah. You know, you, you couldn't go to Times Square on New Year's, but Bill de Blasio and oh. his wife can mm -hmm. be out there dancing in front of the cameras. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. I, what? I, I don't understand how that even crossed their mind to to think about going and doing that. And it looked good. Who did it's, who thought that that would look good? You it's have same. everything shut down and you're a leader going out there and, you know, flaunting your own rules. And that's going to look good to the people. That's going to encourage the people. Mm. It's the same thing with uh, with the German politicians on New Year's. What they do, they were having parties. They were all fenced off by the police and, and barricades and, and automatic submachine guns in case we, the little people, decided we wanted to celebrate New Year's. Oh, no, no, no. You even had crowds of people, protesters walking up saying, we're here to watch the fireworks. No, these fireworks aren't for you. Well, y your tax dollars are paying that. You're paying for those fireworks and all those loser degenerates up there in politics. You're paying for those losers to be out there to watch all that stuff and drink their champagne that you also paid for at 30 euros a glass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, if you argue that, it goes to point number 14 that he made. A bigot. What is a bigot? Well, that's a person who wins an argument with a liberal. Yeah, pretty much. And that's also yep. been expanded to not just a bigot, but also a Nazi or a fascist. 
Yeah. White supremacist. Uh, yes, yeah. there, there's another yeah. one. Yeah. Well, that's why we need those task forces, Bruce. That's why that's why we need Congress yeah. to act as quickly as possible and get those task forces put together. <laughs> you, do you have any idea what's going to happen to those poor saps you put on that task force? <laughs> Just saying. All right. Yeah. Number 13. Liberals measure compassion by how many people are given welfare. Conservatives measure compassion by how many people no longer need it. <laughs> yeah, that, that is that is so accurate. true. That yeah. is so true. Yeah. You know, the welfare, st- the, the welfare system. OK, I, I'm not for all of these social programs. OK, I, I'm not for them. And, and the reason that t- honestly, I, I'm not the reason it turns me off of them. I'll tell you what turns me off of them. What turns me off of them is the way that they're abused. That's what turns me off of them. I don't like them to begin with. I don't I don't agree with them to begin with, because I believe that you should be responsible for yourself. You you should be an individual and take care of yourself. You, you understand taking on the responsibility for yourself. And that includes finances, being a, a morally just person, all the rest of it. So I, I don't agree with these programs to begin with. And of course, with responsibility, with being an individual and having a moral just conscious comes charity naturally. So you know how to take care of your neighbor, your family by default. But the fact is, is we have these programs. Okay, we have them. So as unfortunate as it is, we have them. So since we have them, my goodness, let's just do something that might just make some common sense. Let's use them the way they're intended to be used. Can we do that? Can we? (laughs) No. Can we uh, can we possibly do what needs to be done as far as making sure that if someone needs help, then they get it. But let's make sure when they're back on their feet, they're off of it. And let's not turn it into a lifestyle that's multi-generational. Can we do that? So I'm all for paying into a system, paying some tax money into a system since we have them. I don't, as I said, I don't like them, but I'm all for paying some tax money into a system that's legitimately going to be there for people to draw on if they need it. And then when they no longer need it, or there is a set time or, or whatever, then they come off of it. Example, where I'm at, at least this is before COVID. Let's say you lost your job. Okay. It happens. It happens. Let's say you lost your job. Didn't know what you were going to do. Take all of your payments, all of your your bills, your expenses and everything. And you take them to a social services office and you sit down and you go through with a person at the social services office on all of your expenses. They're going to give you just what you need, just what you need to get by. That's what they're going to give you. In the meantime, the social services office here doubles up as an employment agency. Now, I, again, I don't agree with the fact that we have these programs. I'll say it again. But this is an example of a responsible way in which to do it. So while you're collecting this money from the state of which you paid into while you were working, then they are actively trying to find you guaranteed jobs, not go here and see if you if they'll hire you, not turn in an application here and they might call you. No, no. Well, show us that you're you're doing searches for yourself and then we'll continue the benefits. No. No, they're looking for guaranteed jobs for you that will pay you more money than what the state is giving you. You get three refusals, three. It might not be something you want. It might not be something you like. It might not be something you're particularly well versed in, but at least it's going to get you back on your feet somewhere, some way, somehow. And it's going to pay you more money than what the state's giving you. So it's an incentive rather than a lifestyle. What a we novel concept, that, huh? Though. Yeah, what a novel concept, right? It is. I mean, you, you can't you can't do that. I mean, <laughs> you, that's a, if, that's a typical answer, right? You can't do that. My God, that works, man. You can't do that. Yeah, no, you can't do that at all. It, it, what about the people and the, like 
don't you care that they don't have money to feed that? Like, I don't know. I, I honestly don't understand the left's arguments in those because, as you said, when you get them on those programs, yeah, they never come off. Well, you got to put a system in to get them off of it. So you have to force them off it. Here, yes. the three strike rule. You know, you got, hey, all right, there's a job here. Um, you, you might be, uh, I, I don't know, you might be uh, somebody that's in accounting and you lose your job and they'll give you a job, I, I don't know, cleaning the parks or something. Or they'll offer you a job uh, as a trash man. Well, actually, that's probably, that's actually one of the best jobs in the country to have as a trash man. I'm not joking. I'm I mean, not joking. It's well paying here in the oh, States as well. Oh, my goodness. They, they are the most. They're, they're one of the highest paid and they're the most well-respected jobs over here is trash man. I mean, honestly, I don't have anything else to add to that because it, it comes down to, as I said, we value seeing people off of welfare and they value seeing people on it. So I just want to help people. Opinion there. Yeah, I just want to help people help themselves, man. That's all. That's all. Yeah, I do. exactly. Number 12. Conservatism is an active intellectual pursuit. It requires constant vigilance. It has nothing to do with feelings. Liberalism is the most gutless choice you can make. You just see suffering and say, oh, I feel so horrible. Yeah. I mean, to use a good example of that, look at what we're doing. Yeah. We didn't want to go into politics on podcasting, right? No. This was actually, this this was supposed to be about like making yourself a better individual. That's what this was about. This was supposed to be what we could do in our daily lives and in our communities and in our families to make you be a, a more independent person. That's what it was about. It wasn't supposed to be all this politics stuff. I mean, we were going to dabble in politics here and there. But if you listen to a lot of our earlier podcasts, it was about self-improvement and what you could do to build yourself up and, and be inspirational. That's what it was about. But the times kind of just like it shifted on us quickly. Yeah, I knew that the quickening was happening. I said it in our very first episode. I said there's a quickening process happening. I could see it back then. I just didn't realize that it would move this fast. But uh, yeah, yeah. It seems like things have greatly accelerated over the years. I mean, well, really since Obama, things have really accelerated. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it had, I remember growing up as a kid, it was fairly stable. 9-11 happened. I guess Bush really accelerated it as well because he, you know, Patriot Act. If that wasn't in place, then some of the stuff that they're trying to go for wouldn't be there. TSA, Homeland Security, you know, some of those, they would, yeah. But yes, we're we're not, um, he, he is right about that. Um, it's an active intellectual pursuit. You know, we're always having the deeper conversations here. Or at least we're trying to. Uh, we're always we're always analyzing the topics rather than discussing how does that make you feel. What, were you were you triggered? Did, did you have a microaggression? Did you see a microaggression? You know that that kind of stuff, right? We're, we're yeah, not we're not based on emotions and feelings. That stuff, uh, honestly, that stuff bugs me because it's like, what's in control here? You or your emotions? Well, they're emotionally driven. So that, yeah, like, I understand, that's but that's like, the difference. Yeah. For me, my my concept of a functional human being is someone that is in control of their own emotions. So, well, Bruce, yeah. they're not functional human beings. <laughs> yeah, it, like they they've they've lost their way. I, that's kind of cruel, right? That's kind of <laughs> cruel, but they've lost their way. That 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 again boils down to the differences in the left and rights worldview. You know, the the sad thing is, is that I can sit down and I can talk to the classics. You know, I, I can talk to the, the classics that are on the, op- the opposite side of me ideologically. I have a very good friend of mine, and you know, I've been friends for 30 years, and he is a classic Democrat. And I'm an independent conservative, more or less, right? I mean, I, I guess I hate to even give myself a label. But, you know, I, I've got a picture of JFK hanging on my wall. He was a Democrat. And I, I agree with a lot of the stuff that he did. Now, 
I can sit down and I can have a conversation uh, with the classics, the classic Democrats. I can have a conversation with them and we can agree on a lot of things and we can disagree on a lot of things. But this modern stuff, this modern emotional feeling based crap, you just can't talk to that. They're just screaming hysterics. You just can't do it. Which that's exactly why they want to do it, because uh, if if you're stuck in that emotional rut, you can't get out of the emotional rut unless you choose to go into uh, the the realm of logic. But that's a very difficult. It's a very very difficult process, right? Yeah. So number eleven. I'm convinced that a lot of people simply don't know what's available out there and how it is possible to find a job and work your way up if you're willing to accept responsibility for your life. I know what it's like to be on the bottom. I've been broke. I've been fired seven times from jobs, and I don't even have a college degree. But I didn't blame anyone else for my problems. I always knew that if I didn't try to solve them on my own or with the help of my friends or family members, no one else was going to take care of me. Yeah, that's a... It's a... It's a, To sum that up, he's talking about taking responsibility for your actions and for your own life. Yeah, that's a very... I was going to say conservative, but that's not. That's a, that's a very Christian way of thinking because Christians, that, that's... It's your own fault. Like you're yeah. in the place you're in because of you. Yeah. And and he's he's saying exactly that. He says, but I didn't blame anyone else for my problems. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I know I, I say it's a Christian worldview because it's not necessarily a it's not necessarily strictly conservative, though. Now it is kind of going that direction because Christians are being shoved over onto the right, even though they may have more left leaning views. It's kind of that way with the, the, the way the left is going. Right. But the left, it. <sighs> It's all about, well, you know, your, your parents didn't treat you well, or it was your, your ex, or, you know, something else tragic in your life happened. So it's not your fault. It's, it's whatever. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't even listen to the rhetoric when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's like, no, no, you made a choice. It failed. It's your yeah. fault. Fix yeah. it. Find out why it happened. Learn from it. Exactly. Grow. Exactly. That right there. When you make a mistake about something, then take responsibility for it. Own up to it. And you know something? You will be surprised how much more of a of an individual you become because of that. Because you stood up and you learned how to deal with that problem rather than just pass the buck off or or bury it under a uh, under a mountain of lies like all of these ridiculous politicians. That's all they do. They don't take responsibility for anything because they don't know how. They've never had to. But see, those of us that live in normal life and have to deal with reality, we don't have that luxury. You know, I've had to make decisions in in personal life and in business that I'd rather not had to make before. But uh, nonetheless, I had to make them. And I never once felt like I had to push that off on someone else. I didn't blame anyone else for those problems. I, I always looked at myself. I always turned it inward and I said, okay, where did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? And then I look at those mistakes. I think about what I did that got me to that point. And I had to own up to it. And I had to accept the uh, the consequences of my actions. And I became a better person on the other side for it. I made a hell of a lot of mistakes growing up. Yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. And you know what? If I hadn't made those mistakes, and one of the biggest mistakes that I made changed my life, changed my life. And I can, I can probably say for a fact that if I didn't make that mistake, if I didn't make that one mistake that changed my life, that I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life, if I didn't make that mistake, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I know that for a fact. And I like to think that that mistake actually made me a better person. I, I wouldn't go back and change it. I, I've had people ask me that when I talk to them about it. I, I've had people ask me that and they say, would you change it? If you could go back and you could change that. I mean, everybody has, you know, regrets and stuff like that. But I can honestly say no. 
I wouldn't change that because it's turned me into a better person. It's changed my life completely for the better. And it was because of everything that I had to go through. It was, it was the tribulations I had to go through of my own accord because of the mistake that I made that set me on the path that I'm on now. So I'm happy that it happened. Some days, some days I'm not. <laughs> I'm happy that it happened. But yeah, it's it's um it's all about taking responsibility. You, you've got to take responsibility for your actions, and uh, and you can't hold anyone else responsible for that. There was no one else, and, and to to be fair, there was no one else I could have blamed uh, but myself for that. So just the way it is. Number ten, I'm not opposed to the protection of animals, but the best way to do that is to make sure some human being owns them. Wow, he's condoning slavery. Um, well, is he talking about farming? <laughs> is he, I mean, I mean, if if he's talking talking about like pets and farm animals and that kind of thing, sure, you, you would have in a case of uh, I know some of the arguments because of uh, people in my circle are vegan now. I know some of their arguments with the vegans is that when you get to a corporate level, animals aren't treated well on a, at, at a large scale. At the same time, as conservatives, uh, like, you know, hunter, fisher, you know, that outdoorsy types, when you understand how the ecosystem works, typically those those groups tend to conserve those better than, for example, uh, the left, the the ones that, uh, for example, California, we'll use them as an example because, uh, you know, they're the biggest example. But to be fair, to, to, to the example of California, every leaf is sacred. Every twig and, and is an ecosystem. That is exactly the problem. Because if you don't go in, for example, and clear up brush, you're going to have a growth of one ecosystem, whereas another ecosystem might be ran out because of that by, I don't know, fires. Because, you know, so there's a lot of things you have to pay attention to when when it comes to ecosystems and conserving. So in, in a sense, I agree, but in a sense, I disagree as well. So it, it case by case. Number nine, morality is not defined and cannot be defined by individual choice. Mr. Theologian. I mean, morality has, there's absolutes when it comes to morality. So it's, I guess that's true. I, I don't know, man. That, that one's a, I've always thought morality is more of an individual decision I, anyway. I kind of thought that be, myself, because if you, like, if you're a, um, for example, if you're a uh, if you're a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Morality. I mean, you're choosing to do that. I mean, you're choosing to following. You're choosing to follow the teachings of Christ. It's a universal truth, though. At the same time, if you will, like it's a set law that or a set system in place, whatever you want to call it. So it's not necessarily that you're making a choice. You're following a law that's already in place, a universal okay. truth, or a. a uh -huh. So in, in that sense, yeah. So you don't have. You don't have individual choice if that's the case, if it's a universal truth. You do have you, you have choice to whether whether or not to follow it, but your choices don't make something inherently moral or immoral, right? So, for example, if I own a business and I make money in my business, that doesn't make me immoral. What makes you a, a, immoral in that sense is how you're coming by the money and what, you know, what you're... Um, well, basically how you're getting it. That, that's essentially the, the sum of it. So in, in that sense, it is your action more so. But that then that goes back to a universal truth of are you stealing? Yeah. Well, that's immoral. So and that's, an, and that's an individual choice. And it's also an individual choice. So there's universal truths. But at the same time, at the same time, I almost feel like it's I almost feel like it's contradictory because at the same time, when you look at it from the standpoint we're discussing, we were given free will. Yeah. So I have a tough time 
trying to follow it when he says that it cannot be defined by individual choice because we have free will. Yeah, but I, I, I think I think I understand what he's saying. The left says, really, do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. So like the pagan creed, yeah, the, the pagan do as creed. you will, but harm none. Yeah, that at the same time, for example, uh, if you want to use the Christian aspect, getting drunk is frowned upon, right? You're not supposed to be intoxicated. Right. You can partake, um, but drunkenness is... Yeah, yeah, but drunkenness is not... It's not like you're going to hell because you're drunk. It's a, right. look, it's stupid to do it. Don't do it. It's yeah. more of what it is. That's kind of a, that, that's a, that's a moral truth. That's a, that's a, you know, a, a system in place. If you choose to ignore that and you say, well, it, it's because I, you know, I'm having fun. I'm letting off some steam. I'm, it's good for me. It's right for me. No, that doesn't make it moral. That doesn't make it just. So in a sense, I, I kind of get what he's saying in that, if you're going that route, because you can say something is moral, morally just for you to do, and yet it's still a, it goes against uh, like wisdom or, or you know, universal mm -hmm. truths, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, let's move on here. Number eight. Um, this one's just going to, I'm, ju I'm just going to let this one speak for itself. No nation has ever taxed itself into prosperity. <laughs> true, true. That is that is you so know, true. I heard I heard a great argument when it came to taxes. So sin taxes, right? In other words, um, yeah, there are taxes that are in place to discourage you from doing something like smoking, drinking, having sugary foods or drinks, or, you know, those kind of things. Kentucky has um, a sin tax, yeah, on sugar. Yeah, yeah. So if we tax more to discourage people from doing something, why are we taxing the wealthy more? Because it discourages, well, I mean, it, it, it discourages uh, you from earning money and, and making a higher wage. But you need people earning money to pay taxes to and make more jobs. money. And yeah, which also brings in more tax revenue. So you don't want to tax the wealth. But they're, they're paying their fair share. Yeah, they're, they're paying their fair share. That's fine. No, well, I mean, they're not paying their fair share, according to the left, even though they pay 90 some percent of the taxes, but they're not paying their fair share. They have more money than I do. They're not paying enough. Number seven, end results that work that don't involve government threaten liberals. Yes. Yes. Which uh, is which is kind of what I said about the welfare thing. Yeah. End results that work that don't involve government. So you actually get them off of government assistance. Well, it threatens their way of keeping people on welfare, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I, I have nothing that that speaks for itself. That, that is exactly, exactly true. Mm -hmm. Number six, let me tell you who we conservatives are. We love people. When we look out over the United States of America, when we are anywhere, when we see a group of people such as this or anywhere, we see Americans. We see human beings. We don't see groups and we don't see victims. So basically he's he's torpedoing the identity politic narrative is what he's doing. Yeah. And that 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 is absolutely true as an American. Um, the the pro This is one of the things I hate that uh, we've fallen into this. And I know it makes it easier for descriptions and talking about and we have stereotypes and they are legit a thing. But at the same time, when you create a stereotype, you may fall into a category of stereotype, but yet you don't fit into that box either. So I hate having those stereotypes because nobody fits into the box, into the stereotype that they're talking about or the group. There's always, um, you know, you're you're. You're trying to shove somebody in the box and they're hanging over the box, right? There's, there's other aspects about them that doesn't fit into that category. You know, each person is their own individual. And we're America. 
we're a group of a bunch of individuals that are unique in their own way. But we're still community oriented, yes. which is what the elites hate. Oh, they hate that. They can't stand it. Oh, you don't want a big central government to control your life? Don't don't you want to be blocked up into groups and everybody can be victims against each other? You go to hell. That's what I have to say. You know, when GP comes on here, we talk about the Chicago violence, for example, right? Chicago's worse than a war zone, if anybody was wondering. We're losing more people in Chicago on a weekly basis than we were losing in Vietnam. No one's saying a word about that. But GP comes on and he says, I don't see white killing black. I don't see black killing black. I don't see Latinos killing blacks, Latinos killing whites, whites killing Latino, whatever. However you want to put one group against each other. What I see is Americans killing Americans, and it's a damn tragedy, and it's got to stop. Agreed. Agreed. When it comes to that, as someone, okay, as a bean counter, right, a lot of people um, that are right-leaning are more of your bean counter types. They look at stats, um, you know, facts, all those kind of things. We look at that first and try to solve the problem, right? Whereas the left typically looks to emotions first and try to solve the emotions, the symptoms, right? When we look at those things, for example, Chicago, and you're looking at how many people are dying, um, it does help to go into a group level to try to sift through the data to say, okay, why is this happening? Which groups is it happening in? All right, why is this happening? Let's look at the family. Let's look at the different structures in place. And you narrow down and look and try to filter through the information and say, well, family structure has been destroyed. Jobs, they're having difficulty getting jobs because the education sucks in those areas or what have you, you know, and you can narrow it down that way. But it, it's, again, it's it's about people. It's not about groups or any of those kind of things. They're, they're, mm -hmm. it, people are dying and we want to find out how to, how to stop that from happening. Yeah, but see, you're talking about an end result that would work that doesn't involve the government. Exactly. How dare you? Exactly. How dare you? Number five, in a country of children where the option is Santa Claus or work, what wins? True. Welfare that, state. That is, that, is the, that is the difference between, that's what, that's why conservatives have a hard time is because we don't helicopter money everything, right? We don't just throw money at the problem. We say, hey, we can solve this other ways and it's going to take some elbow grease. Number four, the world's biggest problem is the unequal distribution of capitalism. If there were capitalism everywhere, you wouldn't have food shortages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that, that is true because look at, look at uh, oh, I don't know, China, for example. They, they've taken on a form of capitalism to, well, it, it's bettering their people, but at the same time, it's, it's, worked it's, for it's them. garnering them control at the same yeah, time. But, it's, yeah, it's, it's worked for them. I mean, but when I hear Bernie come up and he, he comes on TV and he talks about country that got 800 million people out of out of poverty. That's China. OK, Bernie, they didn't do that with socialism. They did it with capitalism. OK, mm -hmm. why? Why were those people in poverty to begin with? Number one, because number Marxism. two, what system did they use to get out of that? They were in poverty because of Marxism and they used capitalism to get out of Russia. 80 years of Marxism, mm -hmm. 40 million people starved to death. We're going to try something else. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, keep in mind, these aren't perfect. Um, capitalist systems, right? They're not a free market. It's yeah. a more akin to like an oligarchy or, or, uh, you but know, at least it's something, fascism. but it's bringing people out of poverty and it's making their lives better, you know? So that's, that's a, 
I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at a disaster and finding the good in the disaster, basically. You remember, I, you know, I, I remember Limbaugh saying something along these lines one time. He was talking about um, the depravity in, in the, the starvation, the poverty in, in uh, South America and in Africa. And he said, which I, I'm not for going in and intervening. I, I'm not for any foreign conflict that's being fostered by the United States. But he did say, you go in, you start knocking off some of these tin pot dictators and you get some capitalism in there. You'll fix this starvation problem real quick. Most starvation nowadays is political. It is. Anytime it is. you see a famine, well, it's politically based. Marty, if you talk about Marty, he's actually been on deployment with NATO wearing the blue beret himself, watching the World Food Program aid coming off of the ships and being handed over directly to the warlords in Africa. Yep. It's political. And and it garners them more favors with the population. Yep. That's what it does. Look Santa at what's going Claus. on in South Africa with the starvation. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Murdering the farmers. You're, you're murdering the farmers and you don't have farmers to rip... Idiots. Yeah. Idiots. Oh, it's not, it's not that hard. You just, you know, you just dig a hole and put the seed in there and uh, there you go. Yeah. It just put some dirt on it and, and water. Yeah. And the, it just comes right up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Thanks. Thanks, Mayor Bloomberg. Appreciate that. Number three, progress is not striving for economic justice or fairness, but economic growth. That is true. That is true. When these people talk about progress, they don't mean progress. They mean to regress. When they say that they're progressive, they're not progressive in the sense of economic growth and growth of you. They're interested in regressing everything back. Well, they're talking about progress, but they're talking about progress in the opposite direction from which society needs to be moving. So they're talking about dragging things back. When you hear progressives come out and say, Green New Deal, climate change, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That is not progress. Transitioning to green energy. How's that working out for the people of Texas? How's that working out for the people of Germany? How's that working out? The Germans had to fire up their coal plants again to supplement the energy over here. The the wind and solar doesn't cut it. If anything, what we're dealing with right now is an example of what we don't need to be doing. That is not progress. You don't remove something that works and replace it with something that doesn't. You have something that is equal to or better than what you have, but it still can be considered an improvement. This is not an improvement. You put wind farms out there. What happens if there's no wind? I'm just saying, what what happens mm-hmm. if there's no wind? Doesn't exactly work, does it? No, no, it doesn't. So it's just this 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 idea of these these people that come out and they say, "Oh, you're such a good progressive. You, you're not. You're nothing of the sort. You don't even know the meaning of the word if you call yourself that." All right, number two. You know why there's a Second Amendment? In case oh. the government, you, yeah, you know why. You, you know why. You know why oh, there's yeah. a Second Amendment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In case the government fails to follow the first one. Yeah, I would argue it. it it's a little bit wider. I wouldn't say it's just limited to government personally, but mm. indeed, indeed. Uh, by the way, the government, they're not following the first one. They haven't been following the first one for the last 12 yeah. months. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So that's that's why there's a Second Amendment. And you notice they're coming after that now. We'll, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the gun stuff tomorrow or on the exclusive. We'll, we'll bring that up. I want to talk about H.R. 127. Biden's also trying to do something executively. If they can't uh-huh. get it through the House, he's going to try to do stuff executively to. Oh, yeah. Good luck with that. You're right. Yeah, good luck with guns. That. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, what, did he, what did he say a couple of years ago? Buy a dog. It's fine. Yeah, just just get a dog. <laughs> Buy a dog and a shotgun and shoot it in the dog, air. Dog. He has a shotgun and, and he's not going to have his shotgun taken away. He said so. Yeah. Um, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Number one. What about feeling sorry for those who pay the taxes? Those are the people no one ever feels sorry for. They're asked to give and give and give until they have no more to give. And then when they say enough, they're called selfish. Uh, 
I I actually feel sorry for those personally, but more so I feel angered that the government comes in and takes those things from them. You know, I've heard Pat Buchanan talk about this before. He says that there is no law that says that Americans have to pay their federal income taxes. There is no law. Imagine what would happen if every American, they already estimate that around 40% of Americans don't pay taxes, don't pay, don't pay any federal income taxes because they're unconstitutional. They're unconstitutional. We didn't have an income tax until 1913. What was established that year? The Federal Reserve Bank. You know, I've always said that taxes are theft. You know, I I don't like taxes. I I really don't like taxes. I understand that we have to pay them a little bit, you know, for like infrastructure and stuff like that. But the problem is, is that the money's being squandered and the people have no say in how that money's being used. If we're paying taxes, we want to see return on our investment. And I tell you what, I take a look at the specimens of humanity that we have up there on the hill and I don't see any return on investment. None. I see trash. I see garbage. I see losers. That's all I see that have barricaded themselves in there because they took what doesn't belong to them. Yeah. So I'm 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 in agreement there. Uh, the, the only thing I'll say is uh, I've said it before, uh, you know, when it comes to taxes and everything, I'm fine with taxes only to pay and fund military when it comes federally past that. Well, and maybe so that Congress can keep the heat on in their, you know, building. I, I'm I'm okay with you know allowing them to have heating and air. That's it. Not when they well, tell you that you can't have heating and air. It, I mean, if they're going to tell us that, uh, I mean, in that case, okay. If you're going to start saying no heating and no air, and you're going to say you know healthcare, you you have to have a certain type of healthcare, or you have to pay for this this uh, certain insurance, or then yeah, if you're going to start doing that kind of stuff, then you're restricted to the same stuff that we have. So. I hope you're doing good by us because you're bound by the same stuff. Says a bunch of people who haven't missed a single paycheck since all this started. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. They're, they they're have, living high. They're living high on the hog up there. They have great health care in comparison that we pay for, by the way. Yeah. Oh, well, you'll never get that health care. No, 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 you'll never get that health care. No. And they'll never have what you have. No. Even when they get out of office, they still have phenomenal healthcare. I wanted to get into some more uh, some more things today. But as I said, with Limbaugh passing today, it, it kind of threw me through a loop. And I wanted to go over some of the top things that he had to say throughout his career. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be tough to go through the coming days without uh, without him on the air. Uh, and so, yeah, we're going to miss him. All right. We're out of time today, but we are going to have to go. So thanks for sitting down today. Uh, we're promoting our Telegram channel. You know what? I, I, I've been seeing some crazy things going on with Parler. Uh, some people have been kicked off and some people have been flagged for inappropriate stuff. And some people have been brought back and everybody's posts were deleted. OK, fine. You know, you can start over, but I mean, whatever. But they've got a new moderation policy at, in place at Parler. So you know what? I might be. And I, I heard that there was a um, uh, they ended up going with Sky Silk, by the way. There was something that I had heard yesterday about how Parler possibly got hacked and people's information got compromised. So uh, it remains to be seen if I'm even going to be staying over there for very much longer. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, so if it's the hack that happened before the servers went down, that was actually they weren't able to get anything. They were only able to get the posts. That okay. Was it. OK. They weren't able to get any of the other information. Yeah. OK. All right. The way that their system worked anyway, if you put any personal information in there, it went in as a code. And then it, as soon as they were able to verify on Parler's end, it deleted itself in the system. So they weren't actually able to keep anything. So they were just able to do enough to verify. And then it got burned from their system in case they were compromised. Mates made sure of that. 
that whenever they were compromised, then no one would be able to get personal data. So anyway, we are, however, uh, promoting our Telegram channel. Uh, I know we've gotten a lot of new subscribers over on Telegram. Thank you all very much. That means a lot to us. Uh, we hope you enjoy the content that you're hearing. But for those of you who have not gone over to Telegram yet, you're wasting time. Get Telegram downloaded, get signed up to it, join our channel over there. We're a public channel. Just search for Dynamic Independence. We'll pop right up. Subscribe to our channel. You'll get all of our content that we put out here every day. Plus, you'll get an exclusive podcast that we do one time per week uh, that we only put out on our Telegram channel for our Telegram subscribers. And we get a little bit more outside of the terms of service, if you will. A little more colorful commentary. Yeah, yeah. That's usually what it is. Anyway, but yeah, get signed up to us over there on Telegram. It'd be great to have everybody over there. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com and we would ask you to pass along to friends family known associates we are trying to grow our audience as much as possible but we do need your help in order to do that so if you could pass us along we would appreciate that we're available everywhere you get your podcast also if you're rating podcasts if you give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience we'd appreciate that as well five stars would be a plus thank you very much all right that will do it for today so thanks for being here today bruce thank you to all the listeners and we'll see you tomorrow